Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is iFanboy Booksplode, Black Sad, They All Fall Down, Part 1. Welcome to iFanboy Booksplode, Black Sad, They All Fall Down, Part 1. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and my <laughs> Josh Flanagan. I don't even know what you're laughing about. I almost dropped the book. I was I holding see. it, and I was spinning it to the back to look at it, and I didn't have a firm grip on it, and I almost it was almost being clatter. Sit over your damaged foot? Yeah, I was going to drop it on my toe. We're here to talk about Black Sad, They All Fall Down, Part 1. This is our Booksplode show. It was unlocked by the patrons at patreon.com slash iFanboy. So what they unlocked was... Every month we do either a Booksplode, which is this show, we talk about a collected edition, or a Talksplode interview show. We don't know. It's always an exciting surprise to find out which one it'll be. But from now on, it's one or the other. So this book, let me go backwards a little bit. Yep. Black Sad is a much beloved, it's Spanish, I believe. Yes. Yes, okay. They've been, Dark Horse has been publishing. Well, I mean, it's uh, the creators, Juan Diaz Canales and Juanjo Guarnido are Spanish. The publisher is French in Europe. Okay. But it's and then translated it's published here and translated in, by Dark Horse in right America. into English. Okay. Yes. So th- this has been around a while and when I looked at the creators in the back I was like, "Oh, they started this when they were young." Yes. Much beloved by whatever the audience of people like I don't know, maybe there's a million people who read this in Europe because they have a different set there. I've read I think I have one volume before and I am super impressed by it and when I open it I really like it, but it isn't like my favorite thing. I want to say like, oh my God, I love it so much, but it doesn't for whatever reason. But the same thing happened now that happened last time is that as soon as I started reading it, I was like, wow, like the experience of it is really Mm -hmm. special. I'm not necessarily like going to run around and tell everybody, oh my God, it's the best thing. It's my favorite. But it was the same feeling as last time where I went, oh my God, who, how do they make comics like this? Yeah. So before we get into that, so just a little bit more in the history. So this is the fourth dark horse collection but it's the sixth volume of black sad so the first dark horse collection is a really thick hardcover it hit, it hit america by storm when it came out it was you know everyone was talking about it that includes the first three volumes that came out through the french publisher then there was the silent hell which is the second volume by dark horse which is the fourth volume i missed amarillo which is the, the next volume after that so i need to go back and get that one because i really I do think like i only have the first one um, and then this is the fourth one which is only part one so we're only getting we're not getting the whole take but let's yeah, so let's dive into it so black sad is a story of john black sad he is a cat is there i guess is it anthropomorphic is that the well, proper word for animals yes yeah they walk around on two feet they speak to each other in the same language it's like disney well, that's a whole part of the discussion we will have. But it's interesting in this story, and I got to tell you, other than the very basic details, I do not remember the last one I read. That's okay. It was a long time ago. It was like right. 12 years ago. In this book, which takes place in New York City, 
guess in the late 50s, early 60s. All the animals seem to be representative of ethnic groups. Kind of, yeah. Which, well, they'll be like, oh, you're a cat. You know, like, they're treated that way. However, there are many, many more different animal species than there are ethnic groups. Right, that's what I mean. And so the metaphor works, but it falls apart if you poke at it too much. But I like it. It works really well. But that's kind of how it is. It's this melting pot of a city and, you know, and like... You don't trust the weasels. So, <laughs> Poor weasels always get to be the criminals. <laughs> John Blackside is a private investigator. It's basically a noir detective story set in a sort of a Disney-fied, but that's really reductive, but in, in a way that animals are walking around wearing clothes and driving cars. And... Disney-fied only in the sense of the visual yes. that reminds you of classic 2D line drawing animation like think of the sword in the stone you know how those animals were animated and moved that's what i always yes. think of like the squirrels yeah, jungle book something like that i mean i think it's safe to say that we haven't seen that kind of animation in a long time no it's all pixar now it really brings me back to a really earlier point in life but also the whole time i was reading this i just kept thinking this is amazing more people should think of the weekly the otter guy like he looks like a disney character from yeah. from that era and the way that his mouth moves and his face, Black Sad does this to a certain extent too, is that they're able to imprint those human faces on what look like anatomically correct animal faces. And I love that. Yeah. It's amazing. You and I both were gifted this for Christmas from our third colleague, Ron Richards. And uh, I read it before you and I, and, I, and I got to a certain point in the story and I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> Josh needs to read this quickly. <laughs> And that's I kept pushing it for books club without telling you why because uh -huh. I didn't want to spoil it for you. Yeah, you didn't. But <laughs> this story is basically uh, well. Why don't you tell them why I, I wanted you to read it? All right. It. So we open with Shakespeare in the park, and I got to say that first page where the animals are performing Shakespeare, I was like, "What the fuck am I getting into here?" <laughs> There's Shakespeare in the park, and then all of a sudden, a bunch of cops show up in the park and they kick them out, and you've done something wrong, and I'm like, "That's weird." That also sounds familiar. What is that? And we find out that the park, of course, New York City historically, was part of the domain of uh, Robert Moses, the eminent, <laughs> the builder, as he is, the master builder. And uh, by page 16, we see a man, uh, no, an eagle or a hawk, in a suit standing atop the Whitestone Bridge under construction. And it's Robert Moses if he was a bird man. <laughs> this story isn't just... Okay, uh, very, very briefly, Robert Moses was in a titanic figure in the history of New York City and the East Coast and kind of buildings and transportation he in general. He reshaped the face of the city and of cities in general, sort it's of. It's more than I could explain to you, and yes. it's bigger than you could possibly imagine. Read The Power Broker. The Power Broker Take by a Robert, month off. Read Robert the Power Caro, Broker. <laughs> which, by the way, is a fantastic book, and you should read it. So knowing that, having read The Power Broker, having been quite aware, like, they did... Robert Moses better than Ed Norton did in his movie. <laughs> I mean, like straight up, you know, these are all things that happened other than, I mean, like the conceits of the book, the plot, but the overarching, like the things he was working on and building and the way that he talked about, like they researched Robert Moses and they wrote him into a character here. And I was quite, I was quite surprised. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole scene here where they're all in Washington Square Park, which is a park he wanted to destroy to build a highway. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, I was, I was like, wow. <laughs> I mean, these two guys from Spain are really in, really going deep into New York City mm -hmm. history. But beyond that, I'm looking at every page, and every page of this book every is page. a marvel of art. Storytelling, character work, uh, the detail is unparalleled. We don't talk a ton about European comics here. We do sometimes. We did last year with um, that book's name. I can't remember at the moment. 
Juan Joe Gardino, the illustrator, is just terrific. Absolutely terrific. And when we say European comics, you know, it's important if you are an American. I mean, I don't know who I'm talking to. I assume they're more, more advanced readers, but it's not like this is crazy. It's not like you don't recognize it as comics, but there are no. a couple of little things because I think they're printed larger. There's more per page, mm-hmm. like the, 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 there's more panels. There's just more space that they work within. You know, the word balloons are, look a little different, but for me, A, the art, the line drawing, or whatever, but the finishing, the coloring on mm-hmm. it is just magnificent. It's, it's perfect. Like, it's one of those things, like, when I look at it, I was like, I don't, I can't think of a single thing that you could change about this in yes. terms of what it looks like. You know, we will talk about, you know, a book and we're like, ah, oh, the coloring doesn't fit right for it or the pacing or what, you like, this just, you just live in it. You just move through it. And that is the best thing you can say about comic book storytelling. It's not glossy. It seems like a lot of watercolor work. And- yeah. But not in a way that makes it impressionistic. It very much feels like a, a world you're looking at, but it has a texture to it that a lot of you know American comics colors don't have just because it's a different style of coloring. It looks like it's analog coloring. I'm sure yes. it's not, but it, it does look like it. It's important to note, if you're listening to this, you don't have to have read the other previous volumes no, of Black Sad to read, to read this. It's, it's like any... You know, movie series. You don't have to have watched all the Thin Man movies to watch any random Thin Man movie. It's a detective in New York when there's a crime. And really, there's, you know, the last page panel, which is the cliffhanger, does recall a previous story. But I didn't remember that. I just read it in in the notes at the end. And it's fine. Nor do you need to know a lot about Robert Moses or anything. That should be noted. I don't want to set that up at the beginning. Make sure to read the 1,200-page book. But it helps. It does. It makes you appreciate it in a certain different way. I couldn't believe it. I think I put that book down from laughing when I I turned that page (laughs) and realized what was going on. I could could tell from the suit. One of the things I thought was really good is that uh, he's talking to the press in a certain way, and that was the thing that Robert Moses would do. You can see the press conferences on YouTube, Mm -hmm. and there's just an arrogance and a sureness to him. The only thing is that you know, this guy in this is, you know, involved in a crime because we are we're trying to solve a murder and, and we're trying to find out what goes behind it. That is more specious in terms of what Robert Moses was actually doing. As far as you know. Well, I'm saying as far as anybody can prove. It's not. <laughs> no, very, very soon. Like there's lots of things that are kind of suspicious or whatever, but he worked largely within legal channels to do things that were illegal doesn't even like extra legal like he just he covered himself in every possible way so sometimes you can start looking at like well was he dealing with shady characters was he having people killed like i don't tend to think of him as that but in this story it makes sense and some people have if you again what was the name of that ed norton movie uh brooklyn something brooklyn brooklyn something or other that like that painted him as this kind of villain that was actually very similar to, to sort of him being involved in shady shit to get his way but it was more like he was a motherless brooklyn which is based on a book right yeah also, there's lots of things here. So one of them is that Black Sad has a buddy who is a reporter, and uh, what's his name? He's got a weekly, name. weekly, and he's he's got a crush on one of the actresses in the in the play, and turns out she's sort of like a new journalist. He's a old school flat cap wearing, you know, newspaper journalist, and she's part of the new breed of journalist. And he gets her job at his paper. They're running, running around chasing on the story, and she's you know she's getting sexually harassed by almost every person that they come in contact with. So there's a bit of that there, not in a salacious way, in a terrible way, you mm-hmm. know. And like uh, this is not good. The other thing is that Weekly basically she's shadowing him, and Weekly yeah. gets an audience with 
you figure out his name, but I don't want because I don't want to keep saying Robert Moses. But he gets an interview with him, and basically he's like, "All right, I'm going to follow you around for a while. We'll do a profile." And it's very fawning. It's very gloating, and and she's behind him, like you know how much stuff that his what he's doing is bad. And there's a little conflict, like a little sort of minor part of the story is this conflict between old-timey journalism, or at least the concept of it, and, and yeah. sort of newer investigative journalism. His name is Solomon. Solomon, that's right. Which, Moses, that makes sense. Yes. <laughs> I thought that was really good. Speaking of the little sexual harassment bit, there's a party in here, and I think it's a fundraiser or something like that, and there's all these, like... I don't know, they look like Playboy bunnies, like like the ones from the clubs. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And uh, we see them out for like two or three pages. They're out on the floor, and they're holding the drinks, and they're part of the show or whatever. And then we cut to them. The one female character goes into the bathroom, and the three of them are there in the background talking about how tired they are of being treated the way that they are out there. And it was not even a main point, but that scene really stuck with me. Like the transformation. Yeah, it's because you, you see the prototypical, like the Playboy Bunny Club girls, they are, you know, sitting on people's laps and, and bringing drinks around and, you know, dancing. And then you cut to the, the reality of the background where they're just like, if one more pig puts his hand on me, he's going to get a tray in the head. You know? And they're all like, mm-hmm. they look more haggard than they did on this floor and they're smoking. and But they've got no choice but to take it if they yeah. need the job that they have. And it was just this little human, air quote, yeah. moment that I, it really stuck out to me. I think what's great about this book is is that there's a never-ending well of things to explore here, you know. There's crime, there's the civic element, there's society. And as we said earlier, like, there's clearly a stratus of uh, class stratus, depending on what animal you mm-hmm. are. And it's not quite as delineated as race, you know, currently, because you said there's way too many animals. But race you know, some, some animals are looked down on here. Economics and, you know, yeah. yeah. And then what you think, the cute fuzzy animals are, are sort of near the top or the hunter, you know, animals are, are you know, apex predators, things right, like, like that. I'm looking at a page where he's, he's dealing with the, the mole people, who the, mole, the moles, who are yeah. working underground to build the subway tunnels. And he's like, they call this the burrow. And the, the guy's like, that's a slur against moles. And, you know, so like <laughs> there's that, that part of it. It would be really difficult to live in a society with hundreds of species and not say the wrong thing. <laughs> it would be very difficult. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna ping backwards really quickly on that mm-hmm. thing with the bathroom. What's mm-hmm. interesting is that the other character, the the female character whose name I don't remember, she she does not interact with them. She doesn't talk with them. That whole scene takes place in the background in a few panels. Right. They're just overhearing it. Yeah. yeah. And and she doesn't react to it. She's just there. But you can tell she's going through the same thing. Really nice sort of subtle storytelling and cartoon. She's Rachel there. Zuko. Rachel Zuko. Isn't she the mayor of Bloodhaven? <laughs> Maybe. I did think that when I read it, actually. It's the same last name. You know, it's funny. For two guys who I assume live in Europe, this is full of little New York details that... uh, I don't know how you get that. I mean, you could watch a lot of movies about New York, but it's not the same thing as walking around and sort of seeing seeing that. I mean, maybe they spent time there. No people people. of the world. And it's also historical details, like all the the guys in the Iron Lungs and the Bellevue Ward. Right. The way that the city was built post-war with the rapid expansion and all the things, you know, the subway lines and the new buildings and the new civic structures, the things that were destroyed in order to get those things. The upside and the downside to progress is a lot of what's going on here. Shakespeare in the Park was a really big deal when it started, and it was a problem. And that's, it's just, it's, again, that's like this little tiny part of the story that's in there. It's just funny because it's this little theater in Central Park. It's not even a big thing. Yeah, it was a thing that no one cares about anymore. No, that's not true. It's always sold out. Yeah, I guess. It's, but it's, I mean, the idea was to bring culture to the masses in a way. And, you know, I don't think it's the masses going anymore. No. 
That's I mean, you can, you can you can go. It's just hard to sure get exactly. And when that happens, who gets them? You know what? Well, I will say, if I have a criticism, I don't know if I fully digested the relationship between the, I guess, the hitman, mm-hmm. the seagull, and what the was seagull. going on there. His wife or child, uh, I don't remember, was in Bellevue in one of the iron lungs, big yes. room full of iron lungs. And uh, basically, Solomon is making him do things. Basically, I'm checking this with you, and you tell me where I fall apart. Yeah. And the blackmail here is that the air goes, like he said, you don't do it, and the air goes off, meaning the iron lung will be shut off, and whoever it is will die, and that's why this guy's doing it? It sounds like that Solomon's paying for the iron lung. Okay. Iron lung was a thing that, I believe it was, was it tuberculosis, or was it just uh, lung disease? Some other thing. Polio. Wasn't it late-stage polio? And they put you in these giant tubes that you lived in you were laying down on your back and only really your head was sticking out and yeah it's polio and you couldn't survive without it and so uh it's horrible (laughs) so many ways but uh he so this guy the seagull's kid or wife is being paid for by by solomon so solomon's got his own personal hitman is who takes care of any problems that come up in the way of his projects so inspectors who aren't on his side or politicians this guy takes care of them some way or another he had files on everybody. You can't Moses. trust birds, Josh. No, but also when the weasels show up, you knew exactly what they sounded like, and you're like, Roger Rabbit got this right. True. Exactly. There's a there's a turkey. Is the turkey the mayor? I'm looking at, I'm looking at the turkey right now on page 34 or 38, depending on what number you're looking at. Turkeys are so disturbing. But you can picture that person, right? With sort of the yes. turkey gullet neck, you know, like an old, mm-hmm. you know, old politician. That's what's so great about the art is that you can see... The people behind the animals. You can you can totally see who they are. It really shows you how far you can take a metaphor that was initially a childish thing. In mm-hmm. kids' books, they would take an animal, and that animal would represent a kind of person, and that's how you teach a lesson, theoretically. Yeah. And this is like saying, well, what if you apply very mature storytelling and just excellent art, like like top-notch storytelling art, and see if you can carry that out and have it not be silly and have it not be a gag. I mean, it's, you know, speaking of Roger Rabbit, like you can see where this gag There's a couple of those gags in here. They honk the monkey's nose at one point. You know, but for the most part, the animal part kind of disappears. It helps you see them as people. <laughs> it basically locks our stereotypes in through a nicer way. And But for the most part, like it's a real world that you are in. It, it's all animals in suits and shit, but it doesn't feel like a kid's book. Right, but then you have things like on page 50 or 46, because there's a Dark Horse page and there's a handwritten page. Solomon's driver bodyguard is a dog, and he, yeah. sniffs, he sniffs out weekly, who's not even anywhere near them. You know, So there are things like where they do, ha- they do have their animal abilities in some ways. Yeah. That monkey bartender did not want them to be at that bar on page 40. I mean, for now the painting is the one of the, you know the painting, the, yep. the bar outside? Mm-hmm. Were they looking at the painting? Yeah, the painting's behind the monkey. Look on the wall. Oh, okay, okay. Do you know? Do you know what that's called? What's that painting called? It was a nice play on that gag because that gag is used all the time in comics, yes. where that famous painting, which you and I can't remember at the moment, you see through a big picture window, people around like a bar inside. You, it's nighttime. It's lit inside. There's people at the counter. It's a very famous. It's a Hopper painting. It's Nighthawks. There you go. Yes. So the joke is often that their characters are in that painting, but here we see the painting as an establishing shot because you're going for a drink, and then we pull back and see that it's actually a reproduction on the wall of the bar. It's not in the style of the other panels, so something's right. off. 
Okay, I yeah. see it now. So I was happy to get this because I, I like I said, I'd fallen off. I mean, I want to go back and get the third volume. So I, I think it's just such a it's such a feat of storytelling and ingenuity. It's, the art's wonderful. The writing is the writing is really really strong. I mean, like I said, there's so many little touches of about New York City and New York City history and whoever's doing translation has done a really good job with naturalistic dialogue. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no. It doesn't sound like it's been well, translated poorly. Yeah, that's what she says in the back. Was uh, well, there's yeah. It says there's a whole thing on notes on tra- trans uh, translation. But the the point being, I think that just that you know sometimes there's bits of it that don't. But you, you, like if you didn't know it was a foreign comic, I don't think you'd know it was a foreign comic. Is my point. It's very well done. It's written in Spanish. The French publisher translate the Spanish into French. What must they think of this? Do they know who Rob Moses <laughs> is? And then Diana Schultz, the editor, she speaks Spanish and French, and she's in, you know American. Oh, she's, so she's amazing. It's interesting because she says it's not just like a straight translation because languages are different. You know, when you sure. translate French or whatever into English, it's not exactly the way we talk. No. So you have to take that and then translate it even further to make it you know sound the way it's you know. She says she says it in the back. There's there, Spanish has fewer words in French, and so when you translate it sometimes you have to add words or you have to you know the word balloons don't exactly fit like it's interesting mm-hmm. it's, it's an interesting whole uh, other idea of comics that we don't think about is is translations diana schutz noel schutz yeah schutz she's a legend that's crazy these are great books these are really great books this is a thinner volume than the other ones yeah i read it in very little amount of time but i mean at the end i was like i want more because it, it is a cliffhanger at the end they haven't announced when the next one's coming out yet yeah we'll take they gotta translate it <laughs> it's just like it's a bit it actually it looks like a big if you were the format it's like a big kids picture book that's yeah. it's about 50 something pages you know but in terms of production production's a beautiful book but also just the quality of art and storytelling in it uh, is worth the price yeah so if you've never actually read a black sad book you can pick up any volume i'm looking at the original one right now i have them all sitting here you know just as beautiful back then back then like it was in the 40s yeah. it was like 10 years ago any of these volumes will work. It's just a detective story, self-contained for the most part. So I, w- I would recommend the, the, the latest one. It's smaller. It gives you a nice taste of it. If you like it, you can go back and you can get the bigger, thicker, meatier volumes. Yep. Stan Lee says it's as good as it gets on the front cover. Wow. The pull quote. Stan. Stan Lee's pull quotes are kind of interchangeable, but he's not wrong in this instance. He's The first he's volume has right. an introduction by Jim Stranko. But yeah, so check it out. Published in America by Dark Horse Comics. Black Sad, They All Fall Down Part 1. It's about 60 pages. It came out recent, you know, last year. It's very good. These are all very good books. It's a nice tonic, you know, yes. from the weekly comics. It's a different, it's a comic. It's the same kind of comic you can read, but it's a different kind of storytelling. You know, weekly comics are weekly comics, no matter how finely crafted and honed they are and how much time they got to get out the door. Right. And this is just that you, they have a little more time to think about it, put stuff into it. They're not, I mean, they're probably, I'm sure they have deadlines, but it is labored over. It is, it is lovingly crafted. It's, it's a little more art, artisanal, I guess. Yes. It's bespoke. Yes. No. <laughs> they didn't make it just for you. <laughs> I thought they might have. Oh, I'm the main character. This I mean, kind of. It's a, it's a, it's a PI detective story and it's Robert true. Moses is the bad guy. I mean, that's. You're not wrong. You're not it wrong. It was pretty funny. But if it was bespoke, you would have the only copy. That's true. It's very <laughs> valuable. Should find out from Ron if he even knew that the Robert Moses angle was a thing, because we all, all three of us enjoy Robert Moses stories. We didn't we do mm-hmm. a Robert Moses book? 
Yeah, the book, The Builder, I think. It's over there. I can't get to it without running away from this mic and losing my headphones. But Was that a book's blood? It was. I think it may have been the last book's blood we did. All three of us? Mm-hmm. Let's see. Let me look it up in our list of book's bloods here. I don't know if it was a book's blood. It might have been something else. Yeah. I don't see it on the list here. What did we do that for? That's weird. I don't know. I went to the shelf to look. We definitely all talked about it. I know that. But that's strange. This is riveting. I know. I know. Book of the year? I'm looking it up because I know we did it. I don't know if it's called The Builder. I may have got the title wrong. Something like that. This is just not showing up anywhere. We talked about this book. Wasn't that also a French book? Yeah, it was. They must yeah. love them there. <laughs> well, it's not on the book's blood list, but there was a French graphic novel about Robert Moses called Robert Moses, the Master Builder of New York. And if there's a link to be found, we'll put that in the show notes. For I don't this know. One. We definitely talked about it. Yeah. Where? We didn't just... We didn't just do it on our own and record it. That's so strange. Was it just us to ourselves? Well, sometimes we make just private podcasts. <laughs> and never release them. Yeah, that's not true. <sighs> Weird. It's all grist for the mill. Well, anyway, as I said, next month it'll be either another booksplode or a talksplode. It's just how it's going to go going forward. It'll be most likely more, mostly booksplodes. We have a couple of fun ones on the hopper. Mm -hmm. I don't want to announce them yet until we're ready to go, because this is actually supposed to be a different book we're going to talk about, but we didn't end up finishing it in time. But we'll be back. As soon as we know what it is, we'll talk about it on the regular show, which is our Pick of the Week show, where Josh and I sometimes special guests talk about the week's comics. It's at ifanboy.com. We have a, that show. We have our Media Explode monthly show that the patrons also unlocked. Again, at patreon.com slash ifanboy. Consider being a patron today. And that was fun. I enjoyed reading that, and I enjoyed talking about it. Yeah, absolutely. I wish it was longer. And I never say that. That's true. So we'll be back next time, next month, with another book's blowed or talk's blowed. Until then, I'm Connor. I'm Josh. I don't bother chasing mice around. I sneak down the alley looking for a fight. Howl to the moonlight on a hot summer night. Say the blues while the lady cats cry. While the shake candy, you're a real dog guy. I wish I could be as carefree and wild. But I got cat class and I got. Cat style.